0: Thanks again for being here. Glad you're with us this morning. You're joining us for kind of the launch of a new series we're going to do throughout the early part of the summer here called Full in a World That's Empty. It's a series on the book of Colossians. It's going to be awesome, so glad you're here for that. Uh, But I was thinking this week about... Uh, fullness and emptiness. And I just was remembering back uh, to my childhood and just some of the earliest times I can remember uh, pretty early on in my life. It's been kind of a a theme that I can remember feeling empty. I can remember uh, different eras uh, where I just, uh, I don't know, stuff wasn't going on, stuff, stuff that was going on at home wasn't real great for me, stuff that was happening in my life, at school, at whatever. There's some trauma and that kind of stuff. And I just... I just recognized pretty early on, I'm like, there's must be more to life than what I'm currently experiencing. There's something that's missing in me. And I can remember specifically going and trying to fill that with different things. And especially as a kid, a uh, kid, I'm going to date myself here, but a kid that was growing up in the 80s, one of the first things that you thought of was technology. So I can remember computers. That's what I thought. I thought oh yeah, Com- if I had a computer that would actually fill the missing piece in my soul, right? I mean like <laughs> I had that wisdom and maturity of like a teenager or something. But we, I, I can remember getting that. I can remember different eras. Uh, and this was when I was younger. Uh, I, I thought maybe a stereo and music and that kind of stuff. Maybe that would be the gig. Uh, I, I can remember at one point, I don't even know what's up with that looking back but I can remember thinking man having a pet and for some reason I thought oh yeah having a pet gerbil that would be like that would bring my soul to completion right again I had no idea what was going on with that but I thought if only I had that and so with with all these different things I started recognizing a pattern like I would work my tail off I'd get extra jobs I was mowing lawn I was throwing papers I was doing all kinds of stuff to try and get the money I would come and I would uh purchase the thing and I would enjoy it. It would be fun for a little bit. And sooner or later, usually didn't take more than a week or two. There was kind of a thud at the bottom of it. You you know what I'm talking about? Like like you kind of experience it. It's really funny. You pour yourself into it. You do it, you do it, you do it. And you're like, okay, this is great. And then kind of the, it kind of wears off a little bit remember uh john ortberg talking about it a little differently and he said you know it's sort of like a happy meal he's like the problem with the happy meal is that the happy wears off and you got to get another fix and it's sort of like that right it's sort of like yeah we kind of we kind of find these things and we try them and it's good for a little while but somehow it doesn't bring the lasting meaning and the lasting peace and the lasting fullness that we crave And so I can remember you you hit high school and you think, well, I'm going to, I I had that all wrong, right? So so you start looking to girls and you start looking to relationships and you start looking to success and you start looking about what track you're on. You start looking at performance and all, all these kinds of things, sports or whatever. And you start pursuing those. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we win at those. Sometimes we lose at those. But either way, you get to the end of it and you're like, yeah, that was good, but there's still something missing in me. I can remember at one stage during my high school years feeling so empty, so thirsty, and even so angry that I couldn't find what I was looking for that I thought, man, if this is all there is to life, I'm not sure I want to live it. It's, it's meaningless. It's purposeless. What, why, why can't I find what it is that my soul craves? I was empty, but I was longing for something more. How about you? I wonder if you have ever felt that way. I wonder if you have ever been in a spot where you were feeling empty or longing for fullness in your soul, longing for something more. I wonder if you've ever looked to people or a job or money or stuff to try and fill that uh, void inside of you. I wonder if you've ever tried to numb it by eating or drinking or shopping or entertaining it to death, right, to try and avoid that ache, that dull ache that is always present in our souls. If so, I want you to know that you're not alone because I think all of us, if we're honest, in moments of clarity, I think all of us have felt empty and longed to be filled. Listen to a few quotes. I, I am a little quote heavy this week, so I apologize, but I kept finding all these fantastic quotes, and so I thought, oh, I've got to share that. So, but listen to some of these quotes from people. I thought this was fascinating. This is from uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. He says, everybody basically has an empty hole inside of them, and they try to fill it with money or drugs or alcohol or power, but none of the material stuff works. It's true, isn't it? Listen to this one, this is Ernest Hemingway. He says, I live, it's a little bit dated, but I think you understand what it means. He says, I live in a vacuum that is as lonely as a radio tube when the batteries are dead and there's no current to plug into it. He's like, I'm completely empty. It's like the battery's faded, it's like it's gone. This is Thomas Watson, he's the founder of IBM. He said, the world is fading, not filling. Or this one, I thought this was fascinating. Boris Becker, again, dates you a l- little bit, but it's, he's a tennis star from years gone by. But he said this. He said, I had won Wimbledon twice before. Once when I was the youngest player, I was rich. I had all the material possessions I, I, I needed. But it's, it's like the, the old song or, uh, of movie stars or pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace. I was empty, he said. Well, today we're launching a new series here at Ignite called Full in a World That's Empty. And I got to tell you, we got the, I got the title full straight out of the book of Colossians. Fullness is one of the major themes. It's the why behind so much of the wisdom that God gives us in this amazing book of the Bible. And I, I just want to kind of show you this. I'm going to kind of intro the series here, and then we'll dig into to a spot later but let me just show you I'm just, I want you to kind of see this pattern that keeps uh, going all the way throughout the book of Colossians so I'm going to give you the highlight video here this is Colossians 1:19 is, is the first plot it says for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Christ verse 25 it says this is Paul talking Paul says I have become its or the church's servant by the commission God gave me and here's what he's trying to do to present to you the word of God in all of its what's the word? Fullness. Now, that's, it's interesting because, actually, uh, this is kind of a, a double meaning here, but but actually we'll see this throughout the book of Colossians, where this there's this whole idea of, yes, he's trying to present the word of God in its fullness, but there's also this tie that uh, between the word of God and fullness. The gospel, the good news about Jesus throughout the book of Colossians is directly tied to this idea of us experiencing and knowing fullness. Let's keep going. Verse 28, it says this, uh, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone to God fully mature in Christ, fully mature. It's a word that means full, fully mature in Christ. That's the goal. And uh, Colossians 2.2 2 says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that, so that they, the church, may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. And you kind of see this fullness. And this is like the, the, the quintessential verse of, uh, of Colossians and kind of summarizes it all. This is classic. It says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity uh, dwells, lives in bodily form. What, the deity means what? What's deity? God, right? So he's saying, For in Christ all the fullness of God lives in bodily form, and in Christ. You too, those of you that are followers of Jesus, that have put your faith and trust in him, you too have been brought to, what's that word? Fullness. Fullness. It's sort of the major theme in in Colossians. Fullness goes all the way through to the end. In fact, Colossians 4, uh, this is the last chapter. One of the last verses uh, is, is kind of given updates. And even in those, uh, God just kind of keeps hammering this whole idea of fullness. Epaphras, who is, uh, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, actually the one that pr- most likely started the church in Colossae, says, uh, Epaphras... One that is one of you, a servant of Christ, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. And how is he wrestling in prayer? That you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Again, it's that picture of, of fullness from beginning to end. It keeps showing up again and again and again throughout the book of Colossians. There's this whole idea that works itself through the book this theme that in Christ is fullness. And that as you and I come into relationship with Jesus, as we learn to walk with him, that we too can walk in the fullness of Jesus. And then the entire book of Colossians basically unpacks this idea of how you and I can live full, even in a world that's empty. Part of what I'm going to do and what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to actually read through the entire book of Colossians and our time together, not the whole thing today. I'm going to take the first 14 verses, but I think sometimes there's power in just reading through it. Uh, again, there's context that you're going to learn as we go. There's, uh, every book of the Bible is written by somebody and to somebody, especially the letters, so that'll help us in our understanding, but we're going to take a chunk a week and we're just going to kind of read through it, and then I'm going to zero in a little later on on just three verses, but i want to read the first 14 for you to kind of set the context and set the tone for the day. So it starts, it starts out here, Colossians 1, uh, starting with verse 1. This is a classic uh, way that Paul starts his letters. He starts all of his letters like this. It says this, Paul, it's the who, right? Who, who's writing? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day that you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learn it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister in Christ on our behalf, and who has also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you can have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So that's the first 14 verses. Let me give you just a little bit of background here. Some of it you already know. This is written by who? Colossians is written by who? Paul. Paul, right? It's the first word in the thing. Paul and Timothy are writing this letter. Paul, he's writing to this, le- this letter to a young church plant in the town of Colossae. In fact, uh, what's interesting, this church plant is probably about the same age as we are, maybe a year or two older, but, but certainly less than 10 years old because uh, Epiphras, uh, the, the person that started the church, was led to Christ like 12 years before, uh, somewhere in that range. And so it's a pretty young church. And so Paul is taking time uh, to write a letter to them because this young church has gotten off track a little bit. They've started turning away from Christ, turning away from sort of the truth of the gospel, the truth of the message about Christ and who he is and what he's come to do in our lives. They've they've kind of gotten off track, and so God uses Paul to write this letter to try and encourage the people, this young church, to lead them back, to get them back on the path of fullness. And over and over again, God is is going to say, fullness is found in Christ alone. It's found in the truth of the message of the gospel, the good news about Jesus coming to save us, coming to, to bring us back home to God. That fullness is available if you'll just come and walk in it and live with Christ and, and stay in step with Christ. You'll hear it over and over again. Today, as we kind of open up the series again, I just want to zero in on three verses. I'm going to reread them, forgive me, but I think it's just cool, and I'll, I'll put it up. I've underlined some stuff. To, it's this is the Russ's uh, version of Galatians uh, one, kind of ten through twelve. Says this: it says we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. <laughs> In fact, let me go back. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. Uh, through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives you so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, which by the way, there's all these, there's all these fullness words. I can't, I'm sorry. I can't help, but, but see it. He, said, he says, we we continually ask God to fill you. And then he says, I want you, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're praying that he'll fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and then he goes and says, I, we're asking him to do that in every way. And, and later he says, in every good work, in all power, with great. These are all the same word. And it means, it's talking about fullness. It's overflowing. It's all, so it's all this kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, going back, i sorry, I get myself distracted here. But it says, I, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all uh, the wisdom and the understanding that the spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Then he puts a colon And it's a list, basically. Uh, it's, It's a list of what this looks like. How can we live a life of fullness? How can we live a life worthy of the Lord that pleases Him in every way? What does it look like in the real world to experience that kind of fullness? Well, this is the list. He says four things. He says, first, bearing fruit in every good work. Second, growing in the knowledge of God. Third, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we can have great, another fullness word, great endurance and patience. And fourth, giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share the inheritance of God's holy people. It's just a cool passage. And Paul's Paul's just saying, I'm praying for you that you can live a life worthy of him, that you can please God in every way. And here's how you do it. It's these four things. Here's the picture of what it looks like lived out, that you bear fruit, that you grow in the knowledge of God, that you're strengthened with power for great endurance and patience, and that you give thanks joyfully to the Father. And I'm just going to kind of walk through those four things. I think there's some great stuff in there. Um, and, uh, And then I'll get some application at the end. The first one is this, right, bearing fruit in every good work. Jump back for one second, but he starts out in verse 6. Paul says that the gospel, the message of Jesus, is bearing fruit, and it's growing throughout the whole world. He says, just as it has been doing in you. And then we get to this part in verse 10, and uh, he kind of reemphasizes it. He, say, he says the path to fullness, the path, uh, the, the path to, uh, yeah, to, to living in the fullness of God involves bearing fruit in every good work. This one has to do with life change. And I just think that's cool. It's just going to be an ongoing transformation of you becoming more and more and more like Jesus, that your life, that the overflow of your life, would, 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 you could see fruit. You could see more and more and more of Jesus in your life day after day. Can I pause for just a second and say, can you do the same? When, if you were to step back and look at your own life, would you see evidence of life change? Would you see ways that God is continuing to to transform and to change you and to make you more like Jesus? The ongoing transformation that comes from knowing and following and loving Jesus. Am I seeing ongoing fruit in my life, even baby step kind of fruit? Do I look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday? Friends, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, if you and I have really understood the the gospel about the forgiveness and the love of Christ who is come and died for us to make us new and to bring us home and to forgive us for our past and assure us of a future with him if we are walking and living in him then we will bear fruit it says we'll keep changing more and more into his image you just push on this again uh, for for a second but but the path to fullness of life that you and I crave and that, that we long for is the path of transformation it's the path of change in fact what, I want you to say this with me if I want to be full then I've got to change I want you to say that if I want to be full then I've got to change I'll say it one more time if I want to be full then I've got to change there's it involves transformation it involves life change most of the time if we're honest we don't like to change do we We don't like to change. I would much rather experience something that's easy and comfortable rather than having to go through a a life-changing sort of experience. Oftentimes that's uncomfortable. Oftentimes that involves pain. Oftentimes that involves discipline. Oftentimes that involves work and all this kind of stuff. And I'm already exhausted. Sometimes we just want it we just want smooth sailing. We just want to coast on and out. But friends, that, that that is not the way. Uh, that leads to fullness. It's not the path that leads to fullness. The path involves life change, bearing fruit in our lives over and over and over again. For instance, let me put on the hat of a prophet for a second and say, I bet I can. I, I bet I can guess the thing that's probably standing in your way of significant growth in the upcoming year. We've done done surveys uh, throughout our our years of ministry. They've always been the same. Every time we've asked, what's standing in the way of you growing more in this upcoming year in your walk with God? What's keeping you from kind of going to the next level in terms of loving and knowing God and going deeper in your prayer life and whatever? The answer is always the same. You want to guess what it is? busyness. That's, a, that's our number one answer that we say time and again. We say, I'm just too busy. How many of us can resonate with that, right? You ever feel busy? Yeah, I think that's a fair thing. The, the question that I have, though, is, is I believe God wants to draw us, and God is trying to bear fruit in us. He's leading us down the path that leads towards fullness of life and so if that's the case then then maybe we're just dragging our feet a little bit if busyness is really what's standing in the way then the question starts to be starts to need to get asked right like what am i doing to cooperate with the holy spirit on this am i sort of going along with it is what if i what if i said no to to prioritize and create space so i can spend it with god you know what i'm saying? A lot of times, I left my phone here, but a lot of times we'll say, well, I don't have time to spend with God and to grow in my walk with God, but we'll spend several hours on our phone a day. Can I just say, what have we done to limit our intake here? I've got a sledgehammer out back. We could take care of this right now, <laughs> right? This isn't, it's not rocket science. This is not hard. The question is what, are, I don't know. It seems like far too often we are we are quick with excuses, <laughs> And slow with fruit, slow with life change, slow to cooperate with him and say, you know what, let's take that next step. Let's surrender. One author I was reading this week said, so often we are... We have our hands so tightly wrapped around these areas of our lives, our own entertainment, how we spend our time and our money, what we do for a living, how much money we have, whatever. We're, we, have, we have such a tight grip on that that God can't pour fullness into us. And the book of Colossians talks about it. It says, you want to know, know what the picture of fullness is? It's a picture of letting go of everything, right? Opening up our hands before the Lord and say, God, I am yours And when we empty ourselves, when we finally let go of that stuff, he can fill us up. Right? That's the picture. That's the picture. But it always involves life change. I think this is William Law. It's another quote I told you. Quote heavy today. But I think this is a great quote. He says, if you stop and ask yourself why you're not so, as, so devoted as the early Christians, your own heart will tell you that it's neither through ignorance nor inability, but purely because you never thoroughly intended it. Can I just say, ouch? I know all of us, right? Ouch. But so often I think, again, we keep our hands full grasping for those things that even if we're honest, we even know can't fill us, right? The next pet gerbil, right? No, baby, this one's going to do it, right? You can't have that, God. He says, no, 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 lay that stuff down. The answer is not to drink away that. It's not to go after the next thing. It's not to shop yourself into oblivion. That's not the answer. The answer comes in surrendering and laying it down, saying, God, have your way in me. Right? Praying, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in me today. How can I cooperate with you, Holy Spirit? The path of surrender bears fruit in our lives. This is another one, Charles Spurgeon, kind of the preacher from long ago, but he says this. He said, you'll never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything but Christ. Isn't that a great quote? <laughs> Absolutely. We've got to learn that fullness is only found in Christ. Hmm. I wonder if there's an area in your life today where God is trying to bear fruit and bring about transformation. Maybe he's been trying to do it for a while. Maybe He's just he keeps asking, we're clinging to stuff, and he just, just keeps saying, will you trust me? Will you, will you surrender that to me? Will you open yourself? Would you put down that sin? Would you quit busying yourself so you get all frantic and you can't feel the emptiness inside you? Would you quit going after the next thing? Would you quit trying to numb it? Would you quit trying to whatever? Would you slow down? Would you be still before me? Would you open your hands and surrender and come to me and let me fill you? Let me teach you about the life that you're born for. Colossians reminds us again and again, there's fullness of Christ that's available to you if you and I would just step into it and live in it. The path to fullness. The path to, I I love the word even, fruitfulness, right? Fruitfulness is the path of life change, and that's what he's talking about here in the first one. Bearing fruit in every good work. Every, in every good work. What do you think think he's talking about there? Bearing bearing fruit in every good work. What what kind of work? Everything. You think that, uh, is that work? You think that applies to that? You think that involves your interaction with people at the grocery store, the gas station, in your home, your neighbor? right in everything he's it's again it's a fullness sort of word in everything in full the full of all that you are all that you do may it all bear fruit for god may every moment of everyday be an opportunity for god's will to get expressed for his for him to teach you and grow you and change you and and make you more like him may god use every moment of everyday to teach you of his great love for you and for everybody else, to to teach you to walk in his grace, to teach you about his power of his spirit, right? I mean, every moment of every day, bearing fruit in every good work. Let's keep going. Uh, And I spent way more time on that one. I'll, I'll, I'll lighten up on a couple of the others. But second one says, growing in the knowledge of God, growing in the knowledge of God. This is great. I mean, we, so often we think about uh, changing our lives and we start thinking about that. We start thinking about fullness. We start thinking about our own efforts, our own willpower, our own strength to bring about will, to do more, to do all this kind of stuff. And certainly there's, there's an element where we need to cooperate with God. But in Colossians, that's not really the path towards fullness or fruitfulness. Our efforts fail. Fail. Now, again, we need to cooperate and open up our hands and hearts to Christ. But the path towards fullness is one that depends on and focuses on God's power and God's strength and not our own. This is – I'm taking a little tangent, but I'll be right back, and you'll see why in a sec. But Psalm 115.8 is is a a verse I've had written in the back of my Bible for probably 20-plus years, quite a while. Um, And – with a note next to it that just says, We become like what we worship and what we trust. And this, this I can remember this verse just impacting me uh, so many years ago. It says, People who make idols will be like them, and so will those who trust in them. We become like what we worship. And I think that's true. I've, again, I've, I wrote it down because I was like, it kind of messed with me a little bit, but I, I think it's true. We become like what we worship, we become like what we trust when we tend to focus on and put our trust in the almighty buck and in money and what possessions and what it can buy, we tend to become more greedy. When we tend to put our trust in our own strength, where does our focus end up? More and more on me and myself. I become way more self-absorbed. When we're set on our own comfort, our own pleasure, above all else, we often look in the rearview mirror and can see a pattern of relationships or addictions or all kinds of stuff like that because we become like what we worship. And likewise, I'll just say on the flip side, and this gets back to our point, when you and I are consumed by when we worship and grow in the knowledge of the Almighty God, we become more like Him, and our lives are fruitful. These first two are implicitly tied together, right? We bear fruit by growing in the knowledge of God, but not just growing, up, but then by by following through on it, right? By putting it into practice. Don't just hear the word and so deceive yourselves. James says, "Do what it says." By cooperating with the Holy Spirit to allow Him to transform it. Not just say, "Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we should, uh, you know, love our neighbor as ourselves," or we should turn the other cheek. Oh, that's that. Oh, that's that's deep. That's profound. Mm, that's good. No, we're given that to put it into practice. And God said, "You want to walk the path to fullness? Don't just." Don't just hear the word. Don't just get to know about God. Follow him, right? Enter into that relationship with him. Come alive as you learn and discover how to live life with him. So you let him teach you the life that you're born for. It's where the good stuff is at. The path to fullness starts with growing with God. Certainly, it's why stuff, it's why we always encourage stuff like this. Again, not rocket science. We know this. It's why stuff like time in his word is so important. Because part of the path of walking towards fullness is growing in the knowledge of God. Well, how do we do that? We, 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 we grow in God and grow in our knowledge of God by opening up his book. It's why, it's why we do growth groups. It's why we meet together on Sunday mornings. It's why that matters. is because we, we all of us, need to be challenged and reminded and drawn near to and worship the living God. Sometimes we feel like coming. Sometimes we don't. But we come nonetheless, right, to worship because we need him. We need to grow in the knowledge of God. We need to bear fruit in our lives because that's the path to the good stuff. It's the path to the good stuff. Let's go on to the next one. Third one is that we're strengthened with God's power for patience and endurance. The words uh, are slightly different, but they carry the same basic meaning. I, sh- I shortcutted it on the slide because it, it went too long otherwise. But but it, it, this whole idea of endurance. And this one is interesting to me. As we talk about discovering and walking in fruitfulness and the fullness that God has for us, uh, it's going to take some some endurance and some patience for the journey, isn't it? ongoing life change. We cannot experience fullness by just staying the same, and life change takes patience and endurance. It never happens as quickly as we want it to. Can I get an amen? How many of us say, oh man, I got patience to spare? You have no idea. Like I don't know. About, patience is not like it's one of those fruits of the spirit that you're kind of like. I wish didn't exist. <laughs> right? Like, like can we kind of erase that one out of the? Like, like what is up with that patience? And God says, man, this is you're gonna need it because this is a long term journey. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Where where uh, when we come and put our faith and trust in Christ, our standing before God is changed in an instant. Right? We are suddenly in, in a Oh, man, I, I could jump back into the text, but I won't. But I'm sorry. Uh, but, but we are changed. Our standing before God is changed. We are, all of a sudden, his sons and daughters, right? We are forgiven. We are assured of a spot in heaven. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, there's all these things that become true of us in that moment. And we talked about that. And yet, there's this tension that exists in the scriptures because it will take us a lifetime for what is true before God to actually get expressed and lived out and developed in our own life. It's a discipleship process where we are continually being transformed, where we're continually learning to follow Jesus, to know and follow and love Jesus and let his truth and his will and his gospel transform us from the inside out, right? That's gonna take a lifetime and that takes patience and endurance. It's not a sprint, that's a marathon, Right, that is a marathon. Patience and endurance. We've been many of us have, have walked in the old ways for twenty or thirty or forty or fifty or eighty or seventy years. Right, we've lived in this world, and we've we've lived out the values, and we have uh, going back to our stuff. We've pursued stuff, and we've gone, you know, whatever. We've numbed ourselves. We pushed us. It's going to take a lifetime as well to learn to walk with God and let. Our lives reflect Him more and more, day after day after day. Can I just say, it's so tempting for us to grow weary and lose heart. It is. It's, it's hard. It's oftentimes when we first come to Christ, there's dramatic life change that happens. And man, it's awesome. And everybody around you can see it and they're like, their jaws are dropping. They're like, what happened to you? And you're like, it's Jesus. He's so awesome, right? This is great. And, and, then, and then we kind of get rid of some of the big major sins. And oftentimes we just stagnate. We kind of stay the same. Beep, right? I mean, there's, no, there's, not, there's nothing major going on. It's so easy for us just to stall out. And some of it is, it's hard. I mean, we're tempted to become legalists, right? Like, like a rule followers, like check the box because it's easier, right? That's something you can check the box. Okay, I, I spent 12.7 minutes in the Word this morning and I prayed for five minutes, so I'm good, right? I've earned God's approval for the day. No, that's not following Jesus. That's not the, that's not the deal. It's so much harder to say, God, I'm a wreck on my own. I need you to come and, and do your gospel work in me today. I need you to continue to be transforming me. In, in areas where there is sin, would you root it out? Would you convict me? God, would you bring me to my knees in repentance and say, God, I'm so sorry. Change me. I want it's so much harder to, to to let his words dwell in us richly, to bring transformation and slowly but surely learn to be more loving. Learn to actually the truth of what he means to to forgive or to turn the other cheek. That is a lifelong journey. God, would you would you purify me with the, the stuff that's going on in my head that nobody else knows about? The stuff that's going on in my home that we keep hidden and masked. God, would you bring transformation there? God's power, he says, He's praying for God's power to be evident in you so that you can have great endurance and great patience so that you do not lose heart. So that you continue in that transformation process so that you continue on the path towards fullness, allowing Christ to become more in us to become less. Allowing his will to be lived out in our lives, allowing his love to get poured out through us, in us and then through us, right? To allow his mission to be lived out through us. You see what I'm saying? It takes patience and endurance will. I better keep going. The, uh, the fourth one is this, uh, giving joyful thanks to God. This one has been, God has been kicking my butt on this for the last couple months as I've been studying. We've literally been studying this for like two months, and I have to say I'm so excited about the series, but great stuff. But this is one that I'm like, oh, over and over. I just was thinking about... Um, This this huge theme throughout Colossians of thankfulness of developing a heart that just is quick to just give praise and give thanks to God. And I just was thinking, man, we live in a world, and I'll I'll talk generally and then I'll talk specifically, but we live in a world that's so negative most of the time, don't we? And it's easy. I speak for myself anyway. It's so easy for me to get to have my eyes lowered. Off of Christ, onto the circumstances, onto the Well, it wasn't fair what they did to me, or it wasn't whatever. This didn't go the way I want. If I ask you how your week week was, if you ask me, the first thing I tend to think about is the stuff that went wrong. The stuff that I didn't like, the stuff that I was grumpy about—it's so much. I think so, so much of the time, we, it takes us on this downward spiral, and we just—I don't know—it sinks us down, and it keeps us from it keeps us from moving on the moving forward on the path of fullness. It keeps us stuck in the past. And Colossians, and this is cool. Colossians, over and over again, is going to fix the blinking light. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, I was just going to say, it's the glory of God. To come down. But anyway, yeah. It's but 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 throughout the book of Colossians, we're told over and over again, and I'm hopefully not ruining any of the messages for the future. But over and over again, where God says, "Yeah, that's good. I, I get where you live, but would you lift your eyes?" above right would you focus your hearts on things above would you would you lift your eyes and put them on Jesus because that's that's the stuff that we need that's where fullness that's where life comes from and as we develop this whole attitude this whole this whole practice of thankfulness and what i mean by that is actually looking for searching for taking time away daily sometimes multiple times throughout the day just to be looking for the stuff that God already has done and the stuff that he is doing so that we can just give him great thanks and great praise. The more we do that, that's part of the practice of how we lift our eyes off of the circumstances, off of the junk, off of all, all the stuff that you hear on the news and everything else. It's where I lift my eyes off of my own pessimism, my own negativity, and I'm reminded of a God that sits on the throne I'm reminded of the the only one that can bring fullness to life. It doesn't come from me controlling it. It doesn't come from everything going according to my plan. It comes from his hand and his hand alone. And I just wonder if some of us need to be reminded of that this morning too. Say, man, we we spent enough time slogging around down in the muck, haven't we? (laughs) We spent enough time hearing it and getting bombarded by it moment by moment by moment. Isn't it time? to lift our eyes and put them back on Jesus, to spend time and and start developing that habit of worship and thankfulness as a way of life. It is the path to the fullness that we crave and long for. I love even in the last few verses of this this passage that we're looking at today, I'll just pop it up. Uh, If you can put that scripture up. There it is. He says this. He says, and giving thanks, uh, giving joyful thanks to the Father. And then he goes on to list some of these things. He starts having a little praise fest in the midst. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people? Who has rescued you from the dominion of darkness? Who has brought you into the kingdom of the Son he loves in, in whom we have? He has redeemed you, and he has forgiven you of your sins. He starts, he starts pointing those things out before he even gets done. It's sort of a model of saying, you know, this is what's true. We need to lift our eyes in, on To that God, right, and start giving thanks for what he has already done, for what he is doing, and for the promises that he will keep 100% of the time. He always keeps his promises. Start lifting your eyes and putting them on Jesus, the Redeemer, the one that has bought us and freed us, the one that has forgiven us, the one who has rescued us, the one who has brought us into his kingdom. I'll tell you what, friends, this is the good stuff. Christ has already done that stuff. And we just need to lift our eyes to be reminded of who he is and what he's done and spend some time thanking him and worshiping him. It's the path uh, of faith. It's the path towards fullness. It's the path towards joy. Let me kind of wrap up and do some application here. I don't know where you're at with God this morning. Some of us might be here, and maybe uh, this is a little foreign to you, this whole idea of life with Christ. Maybe you've never kind of opened up your heart in in your life. You've been used to kind of just going, uh, you know, doing your own thing, going your own way. You're used to dealing with that emptiness inside of you by trying to shove other things down in there, by trying to avoid it or keep yourself busy or whatever. And maybe this morning, maybe this morning the Lord is speaking to you, and he's calling to you and saying, man, it is time. You've you've gone around that hamster wheel enough times to know that life is not found there. Maybe it's time for you today to stop, to put that stuff down, to open up your hands and just cry out, Jesus, I need you. I have tried it my way. Forgive me for going my own way, for for running down that road. But, But today I turn to you and I say, God, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you bring me back home into your family? Would you make me new? And would you lead me and be my God from this point forward? If you haven't done that before, man, I would encourage—best decision you can ever make. Don't don't let the day go by without without bending your knee and opening up your hands and your heart to Christ. It doesn't take fancy words. It doesn't take some magical formula. It just turned, it's it's turned into Christ. Like that, the criminal on the cross next to Jesus. You guys remember this? He just, he said, remember me, Jesus, right? Would you, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he says, truly, I tell you, you will live with me today in paradise. He says, it takes just a moment, just, just a glance of us turning to him in faith and saying, I need you. Do that today. Oh, I got a couple more <laughs> quotes along those lines. Uh, someplace he says, if, if, you find my, if I find within myself a desire that nothing in this world can explain uh, and satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was meant for another world, C.S. Lewis says. And we are. And this one, the only lasting and fully satisfying joys for any man lie on the other side of the cross. It's talking about what well, we're talking about opening up our hands and our hearts to Christ, just saying, I need you. If you haven't done that before, do it today. Maybe others of us uh, have already done that kind of thing in the past, but maybe you've stalled out in one way or another. Maybe your life, like we said, has just been the beep, right? It's just been kind of not much transformation, not much fruit being born in you these days. Maybe you just kind of settle for whatever's easy, just kind of coasting along in life. You haven't really been pursuing God. You haven't been doing the bad sins, right, kind of stuff, but you haven't really been following Jesus either. We've settled for a lukewarm sort of Christianity, man-made version of religion. And maybe today the Lord is speaking to you and calling you out a little bit and saying, man, it's time. It is time for you to open up your hands. Quit holding on. Quit trying to control. Quit going after all the wrong stuff. Instead, would you open up your hands? Would you surrender again and let him come and fill you with his power? And And then hear him say, come and follow me and then get up from here today and tomorrow and the next day with endurance, with patience for the long haul, allowing his will to be done, allowing him to transform you, to make you more like Jesus day after day after day. It's the path of, the, it's the path of life. It's the path of fullness. It's the good stuff. Maybe it's time to put away busyness and excuses and start pursuing the Lord, growing in your knowledge of him, in allowing his words to transform you. Maybe it's time just to make that a priority. So you know what, maybe I, maybe I should get up 15 minutes early and just crack open his book. And as, as you do, just sort of hit your knees or even in your heart to say, God, would you teach me and reveal yourself to me? And he'll do it. He'll speak. This is his word right here. You can grow in the knowledge of God. Maybe, uh, again, maybe you've just kind of given up on all this stuff because it's too hard to follow, it's too hard to change. Maybe you're just sort of settled in and God's calling you out and saying, come and follow me afresh. Receive my grace, receive my forgiveness, and then follow me and trust me and obey me and follow me on this path towards fullness and joy. Or maybe like me, (laughs) if you're honest, maybe grumpiness, skepticism, negativity has sort of taken over in, in, in your heart. And maybe today God's just calling you uh, back to this practice of thankfulness, of developing a heart of gratitude, one that worships, one that sets their eyes and lifts our eyes off of this junk onto him and his glory. You know, just a quick, uh, a quick shameless plug for next week. I have to say next week uh, we're going to look at the rest of uh, chapter 1. Uh, I'd encourage you, go home and read through Colossians this week. I think you you won't be sorry. But next week, we're going to talk about one of the coolest passages in the New Testament that gives us a picture of the vastness and the glory and the greatness of Jesus. And then we're going to spend some time worshiping. If you want to grow in your knowledge of God, if you want to grow on this path that leads towards fullness, I would encourage you to be here. I would encourage you also not to be late. We'll do the order of the service a little bit different. We're going to save some, hopefully some worship to to the end. Uh, But just... Come ready. Come ready to meet with God. Come ready to worship. And uh, with that, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace. Thanks that you care about, you know us completely. That you care about us and you have a path that leads us forward, Lord. In your grace and your goodness, even in the fullness of life that Christ has purchased for us and I pray God as we look into the book of Colossians over these next weeks uh, I pray that you would lead us on that path don't leave us stuck for those of us that that, uh, have sort of given up Lord I pray that you would bolster their faith today that you fill them with your strength that you draw them back home and send them out with new refreshed purpose and vision and power uh, to live with you and for you this week not in our strength but in your power for those of us that have been kind of going our own way and doing our own thing. God, would you we just want to open up our hands and hearts to you and bring up Lord Jesus. Lord, we need you to you forgive us for our sin and our junk. To you lead us back, to, back home? Bring us back home because of Jesus. Forgive us for our sins. Make us new and lead us and be our God. In us, would we become a people that are thankful? A people that, that are quick to worship, quick to, to, to set our eyes on you and who you are, what you've done, and what you are doing and will really. do? Just come and have your way, Would you bear fruit in us in every good work? Would you help us to grow in knowledge of you? Would you strengthen us with endurance and patience and would you teach us to give joyful thanks to the Father, God. We love you. We need you. We put these things in Jesus' name.